when you lose that job, you're not just losing the finances, you're also losing that title, that sense of importance in going into work every day, uh, the authority, the influence, and that's a major loss. Welcome to Getting Money Right, a show dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom through education and inspiration so that you can be free to pursue your true life's purpose. We are your hosts, David Thompson and Leo Sabo, and in this episode of Getting Money Right, we're going to be talking about how to stay on track when life gets crazy. You know, there's seasons of life that we all go through, difficult seasons. Uh, I mean, the, the loss of a loved one. Yeah. It, it knocks you off of your feet. Uh, maybe a major change in your relationships. You have a best friend and they do something that hurts the relationship or you do something that hurts the relationship. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you're married. You go through a major relationship issue in your marriage um, or you're dating somebody and you think that it's going towards marriage yeah. and then all of a sudden it takes a hard turn and doesn't. Wow. These yeah. are heavy seasons, uh, a loss of a job, depending on, I mean, some people, you lose a job and you just move on. Sometimes a lot of your identity is in your job. Yeah. Especially men. Yeah. Men especially really struggle men. with this, especially if your job loss, let's say you had a job that was, you know, a management job, something yeah. high paying. And those usually, we've talked about this, it takes longer to get into a job and replace yeah. that kind of, of a, of a career. And some guys, I know a couple of friends I met recently that I've been out of work for a year or two. Oh, and that's man. tough on a guy. Yeah. Because, I mean, so much of how we feel about our self-worth and our ability to, you know, produce for our family and take care of our family is wrapped around our career and what we do as a job. So right. it can be really, really difficult. Yeah. A lot of times we put our identity into our title mm-hmm. or into the position of influence we have yeah. or into the amount of money that we're earning. And it's not healthy, but but that's that's what happens. So when you lose that job, you're not just losing the finances, you're also losing that title, that sense of importance in going into work every day, uh, the authority, the influence. And that's a major loss. Uh, it doesn't mean that it's always, again, the healthy, right thing to put your identity there, but it's real. And so I just, we, I want to talk about, we want to talk about these really difficult situations. And what do you do? These aren't, these aren't simple little things. These are the really heavy ones that knock your feet out from under you. Mm-hmm. Uh, even, even if, let's say you're still employed, but you're working overtime, extra, 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 and you don't have any margin in your life, and then you burn out. Mm-hmm. Even burnout and stress, it can yep. lead to major health problems um, that totally wipe you out. I mean, these are major difficult situations. And we want to talk about what it looks like. We're all human. We all experience these. Um, you know, we try to learn healthy boundaries and we try to set things in place in advance. But what happens when you're in the middle of one of these crises? crises? <laughs> Um, what do you do? And what things can you do in advance to be ready? But then what do you do when you're in the middle of that? Yeah, and it really depends on the situation, David, because sometimes it is self-inflicted and sometimes it's not. Sometimes life kind of throws you a curveball. And other times you just make decisions that unfortunately put you in a bad place. I've had more than one client that have struggled to keep up with their budget. And the I'll use the word excuse because, frankly, that's really what they were. The excuses all sound good, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, busy life, a lot going on, had family coming from out of town, so I didn't keep up with my budget, I didn't keep up with my tracking, and therefore I went over because I kind of lost track of where I was. And I get that. I understand that life gets you know, challenging sometimes, but 
This is why finances is so important to manage well, because when those kind of things happen, Mm -hmm. if you and I are not prepared to have a system in place, something that will help us to stay on track with little involvement, meaning I don't have to be in it two, three hours a day, which is impossible for anyone to do, then it's more likely that those kind of events, those kind of challenges in my life are not going to cause me financial Mm-hmm. you know, problems. And this is why we wanted to discuss this, because we've seen where we're helping people get on track as far as their finances and financial goals, and then something happens to stop them. And so, like I said, sometimes it's self-inflicted, sometimes it's not. So by discussing it, hopefully we can share a little bit of our experience on how we've seen that happen in our lives, but also in other people's lives, so that as we took the time to guide them through it, help them put some things in place to help them prevent that from happening because when life gets difficult the last thing you want is your financials to 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 go in the tank i mean that just adds you know salt to the wound so is there something we can do to prevent our finances from being damaged when our life goes through these cycles i think there is Uh, it does take some pre-planning some forethought and some action so we're going to talk about how to do that yeah when one of these major difficult situations comes up it feels like your whole life gets put on pause and we want to make sure that your finances don't get put on pause and fall apart in that season. That's right. That's right. So the first thing that you're going to do when you're walking into one of these seasons is get honest with yourself. Mm-hmm. You've got to start and say, okay, be self-aware. I'm now in a different season and I have to ask myself some pretty serious questions. Um, how committed am I to maintaining my financial health? Mm-hmm. Um, is my long-term financial health and the well-being of it more important than my immediate gratification? Yeah, and, and specifically here, obviously, if you've got a loss of a loved one, that's different. But even in that situation, it, when you and I can make that decision ahead of time to say, no matter what happens in my life, no matter how difficult my life is going to get, and it will from time to time, I'm going to put my finances as a priority. It's not the most important things, but it's not going to be the last thing. And it's not something I'm going to ignore because you have to be engaged in your finances. You can't just let it go. You can't just say, well, you know, I'll pick it up in a couple months when I feel better. By then, there's a lot of damage that you've done. Yep. Yep. And you've got to make sure that you're not engaging with the blame game Mm -hmm. or the victim card. We are all human. We all have difficult situations that happen to us. But if you turn around and just start to blame everyone else or or sit or the situation the situation yeah. and then yeah. sit in a victim mentality and not make steps to move forward then it will set your financial life off track and that'll be a problem yeah, not just it, for that season but after <laughs> right and and eventually um you're going to have to figure it out right you're going to have to fix whatever's being done so Taking that blame game or or a victim mentality only delays and makes things worse when you finally do have to get back to fixing it. So that's why we're really wanting to focus on this because the mindset that we have ahead of time and while we're going through this has to be clear. We have to have clarity about how are we going to handle this. And listen, someone who's financially responsible, right, and we all should be personally financially responsible for our own situation, they're going to decide ahead of time that they're not just going to quit because life throws them a difficult situation. And that's what we want for all of you is that you would consider that your finances are important enough not to just haphazardly manage them, but to have a system in place that's going to help you get through and make these kind of seasons actually easier. Mm -hmm. Because at least from a financial standpoint, you're going to be okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, your financial health is about personal responsibility. Mm-hmm. It really is about your personal choices. It's up to you. You end up being the benefactor of mm-hmm. your good decisions, and you end up being the casualty of your yeah, bad very decisions. True. Very true. Very true. <laughs> so you've got to determine that no matter what comes your way, that it is your responsibility and that nobody else is set up to manage your money. Mm-hmm. It's your role. You are the steward. You are the manager. And if you find yourself making excuses, then you're going to find yourself in more and more trouble. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the sneakiest excuses that comes up, because yeah. it doesn't even feel like an excuse in the middle of it, is this phrase, well, I'm doing my best. Well, I'm doing my best. Yeah. And, and the funny thing is it doesn't sound like an excuse because it sounds like, no, no, I'm doing my best. But it is an excuse. Mm-hmm. It's it's basically, it's actually an attack on your own identity yep. to say, well, my best isn't good enough. I did my best yeah. and it wasn't good enough. And therefore, I'm just going to resign myself to being okay with with bad finances, with, a, with staying in this broken place, with being in this unfortunate, difficult situation. And my finances are just going to be a mess and I'm going to be okay with it because I did my best. Yeah. I tried my hardest. <laughs> in most situations that I am in and coaching and I hear someone say that, very rarely is that actually true. Sometimes it is true. And, and honestly, here's how it comes across. They don't actually use that. When they're doing their best, they'll never say, I'm doing my best. Right. 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 But when they're not doing their best, they'll use it as, as an excuse, as a way to maybe even convince me that, hey, really, I'm doing my best. But here's the reality. When, when I know somebody's doing their best, most of the time they'll actually say, you know, I messed up or it didn't work out like I thought it should. And that's when I say, hey, did you do your best? I think you're, I think you're doing a great job. You're right. tracking your expenses. You're making progress. Hey, you're going to make some mistakes. That's that's just acceptable. It's going to happen. You have to develop this skill. It's going to take time. But when they usually use, I'm doing my best, it's usually because they're not. Right. And, and honestly, the worst part about it is for them, and I feel bad for them because I don't want to be harsh on them, but I also want to kind of shake them out of that mindset because it just gives them a license to continue to use that excuse in the future. So it gives them a license to make that decision again and again and again. And it just doesn't help them in the long term. Yeah, I remember when I heard somebody use this phrase with me and said, oh, well, David, I did my best. And I and I thought, oh, okay. Like my immediately, my empathy went out. I was like, okay, you did your best, cool. But then I actually thought about it. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know that I've ever used that phrase. And I say ever, like I probably have at some point in my life, but I can't remember in the last five, 10 years where I've ever told my boss, well, hey, I did my best. Right. <laughs> like, hey, I, I, I it worked my It doesn't go hard. over well with the boss. <laughs> no. I, I mean, I, I honestly, I just, I can't remember that phrase ever coming out of my mouth. And then I evaluated, well, why don't I ever use that phrase? Because when this person said it, I had empathy for him. Mm-hmm. But then I started to think, well, the reason I don't use that phrase is because it gives you permission to keep making bad decisions or to stop trying. Where if I, if I bring a report to my boss or if I'm doing something and it doesn't work, um, or I'm, I'm even in my own personal finances trying something that doesn't work, I don't say, well, I did my best and I walk away. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I go to my, my boss, my oversight, and I say, hey, it didn't work, and here's the reasons it didn't work, mm-hmm. and here's what I'm going to do to learn and grow and get better for the next time, or I'm going to ask for advice because a lot of times yep. my oversight is going to know more than I do. That's why they're my boss. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, hopefully, right? And, and say, hey, I, I, I did what I thought was right, 
So technically, I did do my best. I did what I thought was right, but I but I made mistakes or it didn't work. I need help to learn and grow. And that's why I thought it was interesting. I, I, it was honestly a moment of self-reflection. Like, why don't I ever use that exact phrase? And it's because that exact phrase gives you the license to keep making bad decisions. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to do that. Yeah. I, I, and again, I just, it's one of those things that I, I just hear. Um, and I, I don't have as much empathy as David does, to be honest. Um, but I do. I mean, I was a pastor for 11 years, so uh, you have to be somewhat empathetic. Otherwise, you, I would have gotten fired for being a mean guy. But I do uh, believe that it's the loving thing to do when someone does make an excuse to gently confront them. And if they won't change, maybe even get a little bit more, depending on the personality, you can get a little bit more uh, in their face, so to speak. Because I I honestly want them to get better. And I know that if they're going to use that, they're not going to get better. So they're wasting their time, they're wasting my time, and it's just unfortunate. So I want to stop that for their, for their well-being and also for my, you know, my well-being, because I don't want to be in a relationship where I'm constantly trying to drag somebody along and they're telling me they're doing their best and I feel like I'm carrying a, you know, 20 pound sack on my back every time I meet with them. That's just not healthy for those people in your life. So we just wanted to say this part of it because we see it uh, and, and it's, humanly acceptable, right? We're emotional human beings and we have difficult seasons. We want somebody to come along and say, hey, you're doing your best. Just relax. It's going to be okay. We want somebody to rescue us. And sometimes that's not possible. Mm-hmm. And most of the time it's not healthy. So we have to man up, so to speak, and, and, and do the right thing. And saying, I'm doing my best or using excuses or hoping somebody else will rescue you is just not, not, a, not the positive way to, to move about it. Yeah. Well, and I, and I remember having that empathy, but then I, when I really processed it, I thought if I just let that person sit there and say, I did my best and then walk away, then I'm actually enabling them mm-hmm. to not, to not resolve the problem, right. to not actually do their best, to exactly. not actually learn the new exactly thing right. that they need to accomplish what they need to accomplish. And so even my empathy in that moment, like it, it the heart was nice but it wasn't going to help them get where they needed to go. And I had to evaluate that. I had to be like, okay, if I'm naturally driven to, towards his empathy, but then what's the truth? Like, why, why don't I use that phrase? And once I realized why I don't use that phrase, and I was like, oh, well, I don't want this person to use that phrase. And I, I didn't come down on them hard, but I, I wanted to educate and say, hey, look, I know what you said. I hear the heart of it. I know that you're in a hard season, but let's help you get to, to a best scenario. Let's, let's get to a good place. So anyway, uh, let's talk about what you can do to prepare for these challenges ahead of time. Mm -hmm. And let's talk about a few of the things that you do when you're in the midst of the challenge. Yeah. So let me just say this first, these seasons are going to come for all of us. And it's not about being able to do something to prevent those seasons. Cause honestly, most of the time we can't and, and just realize that that's just life. But What's important here is to realize that in those moments when you are emotionally compromised, you're more likely to give yourself excuses, to allow yourself to go somewhere and to not push against the resistance that's there. Uh, Life has to continue to move forward and you'll want to quit. You'll just want to sit down and have somebody take care of you. And for, especially for single folks, you know, single moms, um, single dads, they have to keep the ship from sinking. Um, they don't have anyone else most of the time to do that. Now, you can get a community around you. We'll talk about that. But it's important to realize you can't stop these from happening. So it's really important that you have a system or a strategy to help you through it that will more than likely prevent you from making those major uh, wrong decisions in those seasons. 
Yeah, that's great. So what are three things you can do to stay ahead and be ready for these times of life changes? Well, one, and Leo and I talk about this all the time, (laughs) is to systematize your money management. Mm -hmm. To actually set up a zero-based budget, meaning that you create a budget and that you put all the money at the top that you're going to earn that month, and then you spend it down on paper. You actually write it down on paper or in Excel or in YNAB that we've discussed as the best budgeting tool. You, you go through and you put every dollar down mm-hmm. until you get to zero at the bottom and you've spent all your money that month. Right. You spend on purpose. purpose. That's right. This is the beginning, systematizing your money management. And then go in and once you have that plan in place, that zero-based budget where you're spending on purpose, then go in and automate your bills and regular expenses as much as possible. Yeah. This is really helpful because in those moments when in those seasons when you're emotionally, you know, struggling, the last thing you want to do is is trying to figure out what bill needs to be paid when and you might miss right. one because you've got, you know, emotional things going on and gosh forbid, you know, if you had a death of a loved one, you've got a lot to do to not only grieve through that process, but you know, the just the practical things that need to be taken care of. And having those things automated They'll just happen. You won't miss a bill. You won't have to deal with that. So that's actually a really important thing. The other thing that I would say as far as systematizing your your budget is if you're already on a budget right now, but if you're honest with yourself, you realize, you know what? It really needs to be done better. Maybe I'm moving a lot of money around to make it happen. I'm really not fully committed to making this thing work really well. This is the difference between surviving and thriving in those kind of seasons, financially speaking, or actually suffering a loss. Because if you're not fully you know, engaged in that budget working well for you, this is the season to do it. Do it now before you have some kind of financial mm-hmm. problem and emotional problem down the road. And at that time, it just you're just adding fuel to the fire. Mm-hmm. And so it, that's not the time to fix your budget. Now is the time to fix your budget. Mm-hmm. Get, it, get it in place, get it concrete, get it working. Be honest with yourself. Don't spend more than you're making. All of that so that when this happens to you, and it will to all of us, you can just keep moving forward and not have financial setbacks. Yeah. Yeah. And I love the way that we've got our budget set up. We have our budget plan. Mm-hmm. And then through our bank, we have a ton of automatic transactions already built in. Yeah. And and this is why your job automatically does so much from your paycheck for good or worse, right? This is why the government automatically takes their taxes out Mm -hmm. of your paycheck before you even get it because they don't, if your life went through a crisis, they're not going to miss out on their money because they got it before you even got your paycheck. That's right. (laughs) So the government knows this principle. It's important for you to know this principle. As soon as that money hits your bank account, I've got, I don't know off the top of my head, but at least eight to 12, honestly, maybe even more than that, maybe 15 automatic transactions that occur. Mm-hmm. This money gets moved here. This money gets moved here. This money gets moved here. And and then I go through and spend throughout the month and then I automatically pay on those bills. So not everything can be perfectly automated, but set up as much automation as you can based on a written plan spending on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really good. Now, the second thing you should do is to build an emergency fund. And this is why this is really important. Uh, again, we've talked about the emergency fund. We call it a stability fund because it helps to keep your budget on track. So you need to have that specifically in seasons like this because you're going to have odd expenses, right? If it's a loss of income, all of a sudden that emergency fund is going to have to fund your budget for the next month or two or three. Or if you have a death in the family or you have to travel, 
those are expenses that are not in your budget. So this is where the emergency fund's gonna come in. So have a fully funded emergency fund. We are really huge proponents of having about a six month emergency fund. Now, if you're not there yet, start with one to three months until you pay off all your consumer debt, but move yourself to a six month or more. The more margin you have, the more cash reserve you have, the better you will weather this kind of uh, situation. Yeah, that's great. To build that emergency fund, basically save before you spend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> spend on purpose and then save before you spend. And then the third thing that you can do is to build your community now, mm-hmm. right now, today, before you end up in a situation. And the flip side of this is once you're in the situation, you rely on your community. But the first thing that you're going to do today before you end up in a really difficult life situation is build your community. Money is a big deal and your finances can change very quickly yes. depending on what happens. And it's important to be connected to a support group, people that care about you, that will provide financial wisdom in a time of crisis, mm-hmm. people that will will guide you and walk with you and will help help you vocalize the things that are in your head so that you can then bounce back and forth with somebody, mm-hmm. have a sounding board and make a good decision, not just make a, a harsh, rash, crazy, and crazy, maybe a little strong, but poor decision in a tough situation. Uh, if you don't have a family member that can do this, it's great to find a non-family member that yeah, you can in trust. Fact, David, I think I think it's important that you have a non-family member. Like That's why that. we, we really want to say it's a community. Maybe it's a group of people that are also focused on their finances. Maybe it's a Facebook group. Maybe it's people who listen to to our podcast or or another financial podcast. And the reason this is important is because a family member is more likely to have empathy and to kind of let you off the hook. And if you say, well, I think I'm going to do this, they'll say, well, you know, if you think that's the best, they're not going to confront you. They're not going to be honest with you because they want to be gentle and loving to you. But as we said earlier, sometimes true love is the truth, <laughs> right? Um, and it's most helpful. So a community of people that are not your family members will tell you the truth and give you yeah. unbiased advice. They're not going to try to spare your feelings when they know that the decisions, financial decisions you're making are going to wreck you. They're going to say, whoa, whoa, don't do that. Here, here's some guidelines. Here's some things you can do. Here's some options. And that's why I think that's a really important aspect of having a support group that's also focused on managing their money well. Uh, that's not a family member in yeah. a situation like this. It would be very, very beneficial. Yeah. And we do have a Facebook page called Getting Money Right Podcast. And you can can connect with us there and begin to find a community. And actually, Leo and I, over time, are going to build more of a community so that there is a relational space that people can work together. So be looking for that in the future. But start looking today for your community. Uh, Continue to listen to Getting Money Right and other financial experts for encouragement. I think the encouragement and the motivation during these difficult seasons is so key. And honestly, it's one of the top reasons that we created Getting Money Right. Because Leo and I would work with people through long financial workshops where we'd work for multiple weeks or multiple months with people. But it wouldn't be a year-long program. We're not with the people every single week for 52 weeks. It's like, hey, we may have seven weeks with this person. We may have 10 weeks with this person. We're going to walk with them for a season, but then they need ongoing encouragement and support and motivation, and that's what getting money right is. Uh, It helps you to live your true life's purpose 
through financial education and inspiration. Mm -hmm. And that inspiration keeps you going. It reinforces the basics. So you may, you may have a financial coach, but you're not going to meet with them every week. But what you can do is listen to a podcast episode every Mm -hmm. week. Mm -hmm. You can sit down and listen or read a book and grow from a financial expert. Uh, So, so definitely lean in in these seasons and don't be afraid to ask for support from your community. Um, Now, if you're going to ask for support from the community, I would, uh, you may, you may or may not be in the mental place to do this, but I think it would be healthy to set a timeline where you're like, Hey, I'm going through the loss of a loved one over the next three months. I really need support. Or I just lost my job. And over the next you know, two months, I really need support. Don't, don't make this where it's going to be for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. This is going to be your identity. The person who uh, lost a loved one or the person who lost their job. Don't make it an identity thing. Do set a timeline on it, but, but ask for help. And, and Leo and I, uh, you know, we're both plugged into churches and, and in my church, if, if something goes wrong in my life, I can reach out to our care department and we have a whole department, a whole staff department of people that are there to help care in a season of loss for somebody mm-hmm. and hospital visits, sending flowers, maybe helping financially, yep. helping with a light bill, like reach out. Don't be afraid to ask. Even if, even if you've never had to ask before, even if you've done really great up to this point, the point is not the, that you, this is not, don't be prideful. Don't be arrogant. Reach out for help. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's great advice, David. It's so important to have a community of people around you and also family, you know, your family can serve as that bedrock to help you to emotionally uh, have a support system. But you also need to have a support system that doesn't have to worry about the emotional side. They can be clear-headed, they can give you good financial advice and help you through that part of it. So, you know, it's important that we have both of those. And like David said, our desire in the future is to have a community of people that are doing life together in this way so that we can have the collective wisdom and advice and inspiration that comes from people doing life in this area because it's important. It's important to all of us. It touches our lives and we want it to be successful. Um, So we hope you enjoyed this episode. We love the fact that we get to impart this information to you. It's something we really enjoy doing and we hope that it benefits you. And if it does, would you subscribe to our podcast so you can continue to receive this content on a weekly basis and also share it with someone. Uh, It's so important that you uh, look at your family, look at the people in your life, your coworkers, and if someone gives you any indication that financially they could be doing better, let them know about this podcast. This is just simple advice that can help them do better in this area, and we would love to be an influence uh, in their lives that way. To gain access to this podcast show notes, financial tools, and other relevant content, please visit leosabo.com where you can find me, everything I'm up to. You can find some resources there that will help you, such as a budget and a debt repayment plan and so many others. And uh, you can find me there. David, where can people go to find out more about what you're doing outside of getting money right? Yeah, come over to stewardshippastors.com. There's a link to check out the book, Jesus on Money. I actually just recently, as I'm working on it, put together a really cool timeline um, of Jesus' life. And then also of all of Jesus' parables, Mm -hmm. I put it into a grid. And the ones where he talks about being a good steward, being a good manager... And then the ones where he uses financial illustrations 
to make biblical theological points. Mm. So it's a really cool grid. That'll be in the book. Uh, the book is still forthcoming, but check it out. Check out Jesus on Money and check out stewardshippastors.com where there's some cool videos and resources for churches to grow in the way they help people in their finances. That's great. Well, I'm looking forward to that book, David. Well, thank you again for joining us for this episode. We hope you'll join us again so that together we, we can, can keep, keep getting, getting money right. Your family can serve as that bedrock to help you to emotionally uh, have a support system. But you also need to have a support system that doesn't have to worry about the emotional side. They can be clear-headed, they can give you good financial advice and help you through that part of it. Thank you.